0: Well, good morning. What do I say? I yeah, (laughs) yeah. I don't know. Well, all right, Romans. Let's go to Romans. (laughs) I just wasn't prepared. It's just to forget, you know, it's just, um, it is very, very good, uh, very good to be here, um, and especially on a, on a Mother's Day, and, um, it's, it's, it's been a lot of years, um, not being with our, our mother, Colleen with hers, and me with mine, and especially today, thank you for letting us come and speak, for inviting us, <laughs> And then for for it to be Mother's Day, just pretty pretty special for us. Um, I'd like to read out of Romans, and I shared this with uh, the um, youth class, Sunday school class. Uh, this particular uh, these particular verses, and and God has used them in in my life in particular, but in our in our family's life. And I want to use that as to, to get into uh, the message this morning, but it's Romans chapter 10, and starting with verse 12, Paul is talking here. These are probably familiar passages, but he says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, between Oregonian and Californian, even uh, Idahoan uh Hungarian, Ukrainian, no different. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a powerful verse, folks. You can you can amen that one. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Praise the Lord. And then Paul asks them some pretty basic questions. Keep in mind who he's writing to. And he says, how are they going to call on somebody they haven't even believed in? And how are they going to believe in somebody they haven't even heard of? And how are they going to hear about them unless, unless they're told? Or preach? I guess you're reading it unless unless somebody preaches. And how is somebody going to tell them? How is somebody going to preach unless they are sent? God, God used that in my life when I was in in college, and 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 it came to a point where I finally I just after reading and rereading those verses, I just said, oh, "Okay, God." I I mean I can open my mouth and, 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 and tell people about you so that so that they can hear, so that they can call on you, so that so that they can believe, so that they can be saved. And as I said with the young people this morning in Sunday school, at at that point in my life that was a a a, a total change from this Christianity being all about me. And God bless me, and God helped me, and God, you know, helped me with finals. I was in college, so it was all about, you know, keep us safe as we play football, and help me graduate and finish. And it was just me, 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 to to giving a, a purpose for for my faith and a, and a and a and a and a direction. And it was like, God, yes, yeah. <laughs> and I, I finally got it. And it wasn't focused on me; it was focused on Him. And was focused on the on the world that he made and that he loved. Well, that I won't go into the whole story, but that one thing led to another, and I, I finished college and started as a youth pastor in Meridian and met Colleen. We got married, went to seminary, back in Kansas City, and and then went as missionaries to the Philippines. Got transferred to Ukraine uh, 18 years ago. And, and spent 17 years there, in, there in Ukraine, and just some um, amazing things happened in Ukraine. And one thing that I that I do want to share uh, about some of the work there in Ukraine was that it took a very long time, took seven years, for us to to really feel like <laughs> we even understood how people think and, and 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 the people's mentality and and feeling comfortable with the language and and, and seeing uh beginning to see where God was working in that Ukrainian society. And it was our seventh year there that things really began to to just to multiply. Not not to not addition but multiplication. And churches and people and one event that that, that really kind of set things off was the establishment of this of of, of our seventh church and they opened up a Um, a rehab center, a and Alcohol Rehab Center. But one of the events that happened with the rehab center, uh, we had gone through, we we ran a a six-month program, an eight-step program that lasted six months. And we had had a couple groups go through there. And in one of those groups, the second group that went through there, there were four friends from the same village, from the same town. And they had gone through our rehab program. They were all the same age. They would all gone to school together, gotten involved in drugs, and just their lives were messed up. By the time they finished rehab, they were all 21 years old. At 21 years old, those four friends had the group of friends that went through their their school together, uh, their group of friends, half of them had died by the time they were 21. These four, God spared them. They came to the rehab center. God saved them. They committed their lives to Jesus Christ. They turned their lives over to God. They they felt called in the ministry. And so they stayed for an extra period of time to go through some, some uh, intense uh, training, Christian workers' training. And during that time, they finished rehab. They are in the Christian workers' training. They were doing on-the-job things, and they were working with the local church there where they were. But every month, those four friends would return to their hometown, to their home community, because they were, God had put it on their heart to to reach out to the remaining friends of theirs that were still alive. All of them were presently involved with drugs. So they would return once a month to their hometown, these four friends, and they would walk the streets of their of their town, up and down. I mean, the business section, the residential section, everywhere they would walk. And especially when they would go by the schools, the, the, there were two schools in their community that they attended. They, excuse me, that's where they all got involved with drugs, and that's where they would spend most of their time praying. Once a month, they would walk for 24 hours. They would walk and pray for their town. They'd pass by friends' homes, and they would pray for them, their own homes. Uh, Their families, they would just pray. They just covered their community in prayer. One of the times they returned home, one month, they heard about a friend of theirs named Alec. And Alec, they were told uh, that his funeral was going to be the next morning at 10 o'clock. But he hadn't died yet. But he was on what they were calling his deathbed, and his parents had prepared for his funeral. Well, they went to Alec's home. He, indeed, well, actually, when they got there, the mother wouldn't even let him in the front yard, um, because Alec's mother, because she thought they were coming to do the last injection and kind of, you know, greet their friends for the last time. She didn't understand. She didn't know what had happened to, to these four guys. They finally convinced her that they weren't doing drugs anymore, <laughs> that they had become Christians. They wanted to come, and they wanted to pray for Alec. And finally they convinced the mother and she let him in and and then they said we, we'd like to go into his room where he is and, and just pray for him and, and just just the four of us well, all right another red flag and no 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 now I know you're here anyway. They finally convinced us to let him into the room. They shut the door and as they as they got into the room, they, they saw, I mean, I'm leaning on the wall Right, right there was the cover for his casket, and then the casket. They were leaning on the wall. On the on the other wall, there was a a hook, and his his black suit, white shirt, and the whole program were hanging right there for for his funeral clothes. And the shoes were even down there. And um, I mean, they the doctors had told him, he won't he won't make it through the night. I mean, we'll have the funeral tomorrow. Two of them got on one side of the bed. Two of them on the other. They fell on their knees. They laid their hands on legs, and they began to pray for him. They prayed for him two hours straight before the the mom came in and said, "You guys have got to leave. We have family that want to uh, see leg and give the he was leg was comatose. I mean, he he didn't know what was going on." Thought these guys left. They they stayed in the neighborhood and they they, they stayed all night long. They just walked around that whole neighborhood constantly praying for their friend that that God would spare his life. The next morning came. 10 o'clock was the announced uh, funeral time, and uh, these guys uh, realized there was not funeral preparation happening. And at 10 o'clock, they they walked into the yard, and, and the doctors were leaving. There were two doctors. They were leaving the house. And they found out that um, a leg hadn't died, and, in fact, his, his vital signs had gotten stronger over the night. Still comatose, still out of it, but he, his, his vital signs were stronger. They praised the Lord. They continued to pray, but they had to get back to to the rehab center and where they were working, and, and there's a whole other city and another town. But they prayed. And then when they got back to where they were working, they called the entire church there to pray for Alec. Um, Alec's parents had to take the casket back to the funeral home. <laughs> he didn't die. He had a nice seat though. That was, that was the benefit of the whole program. Uh, the next month, when these four friends went back, the first place they went was to a leg's house. And they saw him sitting in front of the houses there, there's, there's fences and stuff, but outside the fence, outside the gate, there's always a bench along the, the road. And a leg was sitting on the bench. I mean he was strong enough to get out there, walk out there into his own power and he would walk around and he was he was doing strength, and they they rejoiced with him. They they told him with their role had been in praying and how the whole church had been praying for them, for him. <laughs> and they said, Aleg, when you're strong enough, you will get into the rehab program. And indeed, Oleg went into the rehab program, escorted by his four friends, uh, another month later. And he was in his third week in the, in the rehabilitation program before he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And he just he confessed his sins, he committed his heart to Jesus Christ, and Alleg became a new man, a new creation. Praise the Lord for it. I led finished the six month uh, program. He was called into ministry. He went to just this, this one year Christian workers training program that we have there. It's a very intense year, discipleship and, and bible study and one on one mentoring and on the job training. As he was going through that, he, he got the nickname of, of the warrior, the, the prayer warrior. That was the thing, as leg was going through, that he understood God used the prayer of his four friends and of the, the church, the corporate church, to save his life. And he committed himself to, to prayer. By the time he finished that, that one-year training program, he uh he had been assigned as the assistant director of our newest rehabilitation center. they were expanding or growing. As the assistant director, every person that went to that rehabilitation center, you want to know what he taught them? <laughs> prayer. It was all about prayer for Alec. He had every Friday night was an all night prayer meeting that Alec led. He eventually got the, the local churches in that area all of them, so once a month they gathered as a whole group of churches. they would gather once a month for an all night prayer meeting twenty four hours of prayer uh he was training these guys coming to the rehab center in in, in prayer <laughs> that became the, the foundation upon which with which everything was built and and the churches began to multiply uh the the real difference was, was in the family members. Um, these guys Ukraine former communist countries, and the only thing that would speak to a communist was something that was concrete and that you could see, touch, and feel. That's the only thing they could would communicate to them. And especially to the family members, when they would see this this, this son that had just thrown his life away and was Some of them weren't ready to die, but they were just worthless. Society around, they didn't care. Just let them die, is what the society would say. The family members just didn't want to let them die, but but they were just worthless. They'd go off to these rehab centers, and they would come back six months later, totally, completely changed. And that would speak to that that communist mentality that had this you know, see, touch, and feel. God and heaven and eternal life—they—that they, were those were just concepts that they didn't even want to. They were tired of of, of philosophies and ideologies and, and propaganda. They were tired of it. They wanted something solid. And these rehab guys were something solid. They could see them, and they, and these rehab guys had stolen everything from their families, their aunts and uncles and grandparents and cousins, and and now they're back and they're making restitution and. Their lives were totally changed, and 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 those minds, those family members, had to deal with a real God that did real change in in somebody they knew. And they started showing up these churches, and it was just, it was one of the most exciting times that that we've ever we've ever experienced. And almost at the at the peak of all of this, a year ago, they said. Um, uh, we we got a phone call that said well, we want you to move to Budapest Hungary <laughs> And we go, Well, you know, thanks. We're 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 enjoying Ukraine right now. And they said, No, we we'd like you to move to Hungary and we said, Well we'll we're, we're really enjoying Ukraine, thank you. And uh <coughs> eventually we Colleen and I we said, Oh okay, we understand and uh we moved 11 and a half months ago, almost a year ago, to Budapest, Hungary. We hadn't been there but a couple months, and I received an email from a, from a friend of ours that lives down in Florida. He's the district missionary president, his name's Dennis Morris, if you want to know, but He he is the District Missionary President for the entire South Florida District. And he said, uh, Bob, we'd like you to come and speak next, uh, uh, the end of April next year, uh, to a district convention. And I looked at my calendar and I thought, wow, that's really close to Robbie's (laughs) graduation. Maybe we could fit it in there. And uh, after a number of emails and phone calls, it, it, it worked out. And Dennis then sent me the uh, theme for their district convention. It comes out of Isaiah chapter 43. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. But it's Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. This is the theme of the district missionary convention in Florida just a couple weeks ago. And Isaiah here, right before verses 18 and 19, Isaiah has recalled the uh, the Jewish exodus from Egypt, and he says, you know, God, God brought you out of Egypt, He freed you from the Egyptians, all of the plagues, all of the things that that had happened, the miraculous power of God has freed them from Egypt. They came out of Egypt as a, as a whole nation. They're, they're, they're right there at the Red Sea. They were camped out there. And then they find out that coming behind them was the entire Egyptian army. And the the, the, the people of Israel were, were, were crying out to Moses. they go, going, why did you bring us out here to die? It would have been better that we died in our homes back there in Goshen and back there in Egypt. And Moses said, Do not worry. God will deliver. You will see God's deliverance. And God parts the Red Sea, they cross on the dry land, the Egyptians follow in, the waters come. I don't, don't need to tell you this. Isaiah, they, they, they lived, that defined them as a nation. And Isaiah, just before these verses here that we're going to read, Isaiah is recalling just this incredible miracle of God and deliverance of God, from God. For the for the people of Israel, and then and then he says this in verse uh, in verse eighteen, Isaiah says, "Forget the former things; <laughs> don't dwell on the past." I mean, do you see what he's saying to these people? I mean, this, this defining moment in their history as a nation, and he says, "Oh yeah, well, that that was good, but, but don't dwell on that." Don't dwell on the past. Verse 19. See? I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Those verses came to us a couple months after we had arrived in Hungary. In Budapest, and we're like grieving this this loss, this this move. Uh, it was very difficult, <laughs> just to put it nicely. I mean, it was just incredibly difficult, and we're there grieving. And then the Lord providentially sends us these verses. And Colleen and I went over and over these verses. And we're thinking, Okay, Lord, <laughs> okay. Don't dwell on the past. I mean all these things, even, even with undead, even with all of the the exploding ministers, the things in Ukraine I just I could go on and on and on about Ukraine. And the government was coming to us, and they're opening up their school system. We had the same teams to go into the schools with... I mean, they were asking us to come into the school system. They opened up the entire state of to all of their schools. The public schools, and they give us time. Three days with the ninth graders in one school, and three days with the tenth graders, and three days with the eleventh graders. And, and they said, well, oh, you can't evangelize. But you can tell your story, your your personal story. (laughs) Okay, we won't evangelize, though. But we'll just tell them God is the one that changed our lives, and God is the one that can change your life, and God is the one that saved us. But we won't evangelize. And um, God did all kinds of stuff. And and, Isaiah is saying to Bob and Colleen, don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on it. Praise the Lord for it. Praise God for delivering the people of Israel through the Red Sea. It is His awesomeness. And what happened in Ukraine? Praise the Lord. But see? I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now, now it's springing up. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? It's a spring in the desert, it's a it's a stream in the wasteland. Praise the Lord folks. We moved to Hungary and it's 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 hard soil, if you know what I'm talking about. They are not open to the gospel. It's it's tough blood in there. It's hard going. And we're going, okay, God and me so Where is this spring? Where is this spring? A couple months ago, a month month ago, one month ago, we got an email that officially appointed us as as the mission leaders for the country of Poland. So we're going to continue to live in Hungary, and we'll do a little bit of work there. But most of our work is now going to be up in Poland. And we started seeing the the, the start of a spring, if I can put it that way, or a spring in the wasteland. We made a trip up to up to Poland. At present, in Poland, there are there are two missionary families and one single gal. As only God could do it, Colleen and I had a had a connection, had a part in the life of each one of those team members from the past. Some of them had been on working witness teams in Ukraine. Um, one of them was a little girl in Beaverton, Oregon. A, I'm sorry, Mountain Home, Idaho. Years ago, when we moved from the Philippines to Ukraine and spoke in her church. And from that, that was, that was 18 years ago. And... To this day, our our pro card picture is still hanging on her parents' refrigerator. 18 years old. I mean, we only had two kids at the time. So Josh has been missing out on a lot of pro's, but um, but, uh, but she remembers, and she was telling us. She said every every morning at, at, at breakfast, we would. Have all of the the missionaries' pictures that were hanging on our fridge, and we would, we would pray for them as part of our morning devotion. And she goes, "You spoke in the, uh, Colleen, she's son Colleen, spoke in the children's Sunday school in, in Mountain Home 18 years ago." And she goes, "I still have my 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 Russian name tag that you made." <laughs> others were working on uh, the Others we met. Uh, In different places, this this other family, we met them in uh, Tbilisi, Georgia. It's it's over there by Armenia and Azerbaijan and all of that. And they're all now in Poland. And God put us there. And we go up to Poland, and and they have the the missionary that was there before us, they got these coffee shops going. Because up in in Poland, you don't advertise that you're a church. It's a a very, very, in fact, they've called it the most Catholic country in the entire world. Pope John Paul is the former, one of the former popes from, from Poland, from Krakow. And so you don't go in and advertise in your church there. And they, in fact, they won't even let you register as a church until you have something like a thousand members or something like that. And so the, the missionary there before us, as custom is his name, he and his wife Rhonda, they knew they had to establish permanence and they knew they had to establish relationships and they knew that the Poles loved coffee. And so they started this coffee house ministry. And they bought these facilities, and that's the, that's the coffee house. And it's there, It belongs to us. We're going to be there long term. And they, they started uh, uh, developing relationships and opening up the doors. And every time they would have church up there, they they had the Saturday night Bible study, and they would get in, in two locations. They would get anywhere from 20 to 30 people every Saturday night. And then once a month they would have these, <coughs> excuse me, these church services. And they would get anywhere from 150 to, to 320 people. That 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 was the they they did that for two years. Every time they opened up the door, and they would have um, meetings. They would have book exchanges, English book exchanges for people. And if you brought two English books, you could get two different English books. And you just pay them. They would have gardening seminars. How everybody lives in these high-rise apartments. Well, how do you raise a garden on your balcony? They brought a gardener in, and he taught people how. And by the way, you can buy your garden supplies at my shop down the street. And but people would come, and as as a, as a result of coming, they would they would hear about uh, the the church, they would hear about Jesus Christ, they would hear about a relationship with God, and we started understanding there's there's something going on up there, calling, and and then we got a sign up there, and we started seeing Isaiah 43. And we're trying not to dwell on the past, but to see what God is doing me. So we're coming to you this uh, beautiful day in May, after having just been transferred up to, you. well, given the responsibility for Poland. I don't have a lot of stories from Poland to tell you <laughs> about God's work in Poland. Maybe next time in a couple of years, Lord willing we will, but I've come for three reasons, well, aside from just the gracious invitation and kicking your pastor out of the pulpit one more week so um, but three reasons, and the first one is, is simply this: we have on the the display out here in the in the entrance for you we have we have some prayer cards, and we have some prayer cards of some of the families that are missionaries that are working with us up in in Poland. And I would just ask you, please, this is the first reason why we came, please pray with us. Pray that, that we would be sensitive to God's Holy Spirit. He's way ahead of us, folks. He's been in Poland long before we ever got there. And he's working. He's doing something in Poland, and pray that we would be sensitive to that, and then that we would be obedient to follow. Please pray with us. Pray for these these uh, these other families as well. But they have they're they're raising their own support. Colleen and I are there because you guys do this thing called World Evangelism Fund. You still doing that? Hands on there. Okay. Probably, the offering that was taken earlier, most churches, they take offerings, you're still doing offerings, and so that's you have to forget sometimes, but, um, um, but out of those offerings, I mean, every time you take them, a percentage is taken out of there, and it doesn't stay in Zonday, it's sent away. And a portion of that, folks, keeps calling in Ukraine and Philippines now in Hungary and, and sending stuff to Poland. And that's how we're there, because of of your faithfulness that way. Thank you, (laughs) by the way. That's the second reason why I came, to say thank you. But these other families that are with us, they're they're going around speaking. They're raising their own support on a monthly thing. And and pray for them. Pray for these families. Some of them need your support if you're able to. There's all the contact information. But, But the first reason that we came is simply to say, to ask, even beg you, to pray with us daily. Pray for us and pray with us for, for what's going on in Poland and that, that we would be obedient. The second thing I've already said is, is just to say thank you. Thank you to you and in and especially you. <laughs> Both Colin and I, I've been blessed with families that are unbelievably supportive of of us and of what we're involved in. Colleen grew up in the Philippines as a missionary kid, and so she didn't really have a home church like like I do. But we have been doubly blessed because of you, because of because of our our church family right here. And I, I just thank you. God bless your hands down there. Grant County. Thank you. That's the second one. <laughs> the third one is simply to say, this challenge to you here. I don't know. You know, I've been away for a long time. I don't know what else is going on in Grant County. I hear little stuff, and I just i still vote for, you know, Glenn Palmer and stuff. I get the ballot and all of that stuff. We we get it wherever we are. I mean, but I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what's going on in your individual families. I mean, in depth. I mean, I just met huh, Russ Wiley's niece. No, I mean, Russ and I worked at the meat, you know, I forget even where it The meatpacking plant is what I always called it, but Bob Brooks used to be Porky's before it was Bob's. And anyway, all of that stuff, you know. And I meet his niece in Sunday school. But I don't know. I found out Russ is in Minnesota and he's working all over the Americas, South, Central, and North. But here's, here's the talent. And I don't know enough to like delve into each one of your lives and, and ask you this specifically, but ask yourself what is it in your life or your family's life or in in, in 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 your work? Or maybe in Grant County or your community if it's Mount Vernon or Seneca, anybody from Seneca here? We need some missionaries in Seneca, um, um, and I've been praying for two that live up there <laughs> that I went to school with. I pray for them every day. God is working. Brad actually came to church a couple years ago, right here. He, he didn't come in; he stood out there in the foyer. But um anyway, so uh, what is it? What is it? That God is, is is saying to you, you know, don't get hung up and and dwell on 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 what's been in the past, whatever that is for you. But He's saying, I want to do something new. I wanna, I wanna put a stream in that dry desert, in that hard soil, there's gonna be a spring popping up. And what is it for your family? What has been that hard soil, that desert land, that, that God-forsaken place that, that nobody treads? Who is it at work, at school, on the street? Oh, there's no way that guy's ever going to be into it. There's no way they would even listen to the gospel. And what is it that God would say? What's that new thing in your, your family, your life, your world? I can tell you this. I don't know what it is, but I do know. When that, when that message from Isaiah comes into your life, and it's coming into your life today, God will do it. There will be a new thing, a spring, a stream in a desert land for your community, for your church, for your own life, your own family. But the next verse is, do you perceive it? Are your eyes open? Do you see it? And you have to have spiritual eyes to see it. And so the challenge is to see it. To have those godly spiritual eyes. And to search your own life. And see what God is doing. That's the challenge I would leave with you. We're going to close with a song. Colleen and Michael are, if I understand it right, are going to come and sing. And the song is called Hosanna. But it has, on on the first four phrases, it says, I see the King of glory coming. I see His love and mercy. I see a generation rising up. I see a new revival stirring. And then in the, I think this is the chorus, it says, Open my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you. And so as you hear this song, would you pray it for your church, for you, your work, your neighborhood, what? for you, for Grant County. And let's see what God is doing me thank you let's bow and pray